You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, double, triple, quadruple check now. The Wuhan lab created that coronavirus. Yes, we have it all over again, this time from the Department of Energy. In addition to the FBI a couple of years ago and White House officials in 2020 and 2021. But again, it's official. The U.S. Department of Energy, according to the Wall Street Journal, has concluded that the COVID pandemic most likely arose from a laboratory leak from that crazy Wuhan lab. Now, we were being told this by senior White House officials in 2020. But if you repeated it, if you dared post it on your social media, Facebook, whatever, you were vilified, censored, borderline canceled, right? They came at you. Uh, Big tech, big government and big media. You could not say that without getting, well, vilified and censored and Some people, well, actually millions upon millions of people deserve a great big apology, but possibly most of all is Peter Navarro, former senior advisor to President Trump. This man leveled with the American people. You know, when he had information that he thought should be shared, President Trump, Peter Navarro, they shared it. They didn't hide it. And they were raked over the coals for it. This is in July of 2020. I want everybody right here today, as, uh, the day before America's Independence Day, to understand where this virus started. It was the Chinese Communist Party that is making us stay locked in our homes and lose our jobs. They spawned the virus. They hid the virus. They sent hundreds of thousands of Chinese nationals over here to seed and spread the so, virus before we knew. And, 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 Peter, and my point is simply what are the, that... Where are the- See, they're getting antsy already. Whoa, 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 wait, wait a second, wait a second. You can't say that it was spawned, it was spawned. First headline out of this uh, interview, bonkers, absolutely bonkers and insane. He's a lunatic. And they were all like this, even though he was making perfect sense and he was totally and completely right. Oh, uh... Uh, the, the date line is November. They spawned the virus, probably came out of the biological lab. For two months, they hid the virus from the world and the possibility of a pandemic behind the shield of the World Health Organization. While they did that, they vacuumed up the world's protective equipment, including two billion masks. And uh, so you're saying this point. is deliberate. You're, you're saying the Chinese deliberately did this? Yeah. That's what he's saying. They deliberately, they created this thing. They spawned it. And for this, I think they, they, they called them all kinds of names. Uh, yeah, the bonkers rant, a bonkers rant. This was not. And unlike everybody else, the Trump administration 
They were trying to help people not give in to this disease and maybe find a treatment while they were working for a vaccine. Remember hydroxychloroquine? which is really important besides the fact that, that we need to start pointing the blame at, at where, it, where it originated, China. But there was also really important, knowledge. there was a study yesterday that came out on hydroxychloroquine. It's the first early treatment study of hydroxychloroquine that shows that there's a 51% reduction in mortality rate without any adverse effects. It came out from the Detroit hospital system. It's a beautiful, beautifully executed study. Yeah. And you know, when the word hydroxychloroquine was coming up in 2020, there were networks who would turn off the camera. They wouldn't let anybody talk about hydroxychloroquine. They think we're children. They think we're stupid. They think, and Dr. Fauci is the god of all. What was the headline? Again, relentless negative coverage. Weird old guy at the at the at the office. Uh, give me a break. You know what these people went through for us, for us. There's more. And again, Navarro is right. I penned a memo which basically warned of a global pandemic from the China virus that could kill possibly millions. That was exactly the same time that the president of these great United States pulled down all the China flights. You know who was fighting me in the Situation Room on that? It was Dr. Anthony Fauci. And just in that very same time period, and even to a month later, Fauci was telling people that there was nothing to worry about in America. Wow, Dr. Fauci, you can't say anything about Dr. Fauci. Remember that? He was up for uh, Pope, Pope Fauci. Uh, what a crazy, crazy time that was. And by the way, it still, it still remains. Um, finally, this. Uh, on the media, basically, is, is to focus all the negative energy at Donald J. Trump. The two things I want to share with the audience today is that the Chinese Communist Party is responsible for every bad thing we're experiencing right now. And number two, hydroxychloroquine needs a second look because, Ali, if, if people in early treatment were taking this drug under the supervision of their physician, we have the potential to save tens of thousands of American lives. Wow, tens of thousands of American lives. But they tried to basically tarnish and stigmatize everything that was coming out of the White House so they could get Joe Biden elected. This happened in the middle of an election year. You know, now that we know it came from the Wuhan lab, I think it just may have been released deliberately to hurt and sabotage, potentially sabotage the Trump administration. You think the Chinese would do that? Don't you think the Chinese would prefer Joe Biden in power than Donald Trump? I think we all know they are much happier with Joe Biden as president. Actually, there's one more from this interview. But I'm tired of the American people turning against themselves in a house divided, making science partisan and not blaming the Chinese Communist Party for killing Americans, for putting us out of work and destroying trillions of dollars of our wealth. And I think that's a message that, that should be carried to the MSNBC audience. No, the message is stop Trump. That was the message. What a... That was a great public servant, Peter Navarro, and it was all done, everything through the prism of the, the stop Trump prism. Everything was warped and shaped that way. And what do they say about those of us, me included, who believe people like Peter Navarro with good reason? This guy's a PhD. He knows what he's talking about. He cares. He's not a victim of groupthink. You know what they said about him and all of us?
The lab leak theory is complete rubbish. Uh, stay away from it. This question about the Wuhan lab, we know that it's been debunked that this virus was man-made or modified or anything like that. None of the facts matter here because they like that phrase escape from the lab so much in China. And so the Trump administration is so desperately grasping at straws, trying to find someone to blame. They don't even seem to understand what they themselves are saying. They just want a convenient scapegoat. No, we wanted to protect our health and find out what was going on. And we're allowed to think things and say things and write things on social media. It's almost like they were preparing us to be obedient to the state. This complete uh, expectation of unanimity across the board. This is America. People have differing opinions. That used to be okay. But no, now those who are different are, are nut jobs. President Trump is pushing a conspiracy theory again that coronavirus began in a lab in China. They say the lab leak is nothing but a smear campaign, a, con a conspiracy theory propelled by prejudice and political need. There is also no reason to believe any of these conspiracy theories that it was leaked from the lab. Ah, yes. Nut jobs, conspiracy theories, and racists. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, Donald Trump, again, uniquely transparent president. We're just hearing this now from the Department of Energy. They never gave credit to President Trump that he's president. He might have access. He might be getting pieces of information that the media, that, that, that others couldn't get. Listen to this. Have you seen anything at this point that gives you a high degree of confidence that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was the origin of this virus? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. He has. He's the president of the United States. He gets to see things that we don't. And he respects us enough to share it with us. Um, conspiracy theorist, crazy. Oh, yeah. And racist. Whenever they're losing an argument, whenever they're getting really scared, they call you a racist. And they called him a racist for something that was not racist. I would like to begin by announcing some important developments in our war against the Chinese virus. That name gets further and further away from China as opposed to calling it the Chinese virus. Once again engaged in a great global struggle. We have waged a fierce battle against the invisible enemy, the China virus. Something wrong with calling a virus that comes from China the China virus, because that's how we name viruses. All the, the Ebola virus. What's Ebola? The Ebola is a river in the Congo, in Africa. Yeah, the Ebola virus. Okay, you see? Let's see. The Zika virus is from the Zika forest. That's in Uganda. In Africa, all right? This is not racist. It's geographical. Uh, let's see, MERS. Remember MERS? I came from the Middle East. The Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, MERS. Uh, let's see, we have another one. Oh, West Nile virus. The West Nile River, I guess. Uganda. It goes on like this. The Spanish flu from Spain. Oh, Lyme disease. Did you know about this one? Lyme disease, it comes from a town. Lyme, Connecticut. It's not racist. It's geographical, okay? Uh, let's review, okay? They're always wrong. The, the mainstream media, also known as the dominant media, they're always wrong, right? Some of the biggies lately, this. Also, uh, ooh, the laptop, Hunter's laptop. They all said Hunter's laptop was Russia disinformation. Remember that one? Uh, they all said for a while that Trump 
was compromised. He was colluding with Russia. He was a Russian agent. They all seem to believe that Hunter and Joe never talked business with his dad. And if they did, it's none of our business. It was totally legal. <clears throat> yeah, right. Uh, and they also said, and they continue to say, that 2020 was the most free and fair election ever. I wonder when we're going to get the whole story on that. Because, you know, conspiracy theories is, what do they say, just the truth a year or two early? I think we're going to learn all kinds of things, don't you? And learning things about what really happened is very important for our democracy. I love democracy, but there's something very phony about the way the mainstream invokes it all the time. They're an important reminder of how close we came to losing our democracy and how fragile that democracy remains. We're a very young democracy and a fragile democracy. The chance to fix this problem is now before we actually do lose democracy. Our democracy is under attack. Um, we have to understand how fragile our democracy is. If we don't defend our democracy, we can lose it. They are all corrupt liars. They have perverted the word democracy into a partisan talking point. True democracy, though, does rely on a free and fair press. Our founding fathers knew that, and we don't have that right now. Let's go through some of the greatest hits. Thomas Jefferson, our liberty depends on the freedom of the press, and that cannot be limited without being lost. Next, uh, George Washington, if freedom of speech is taken away, then dumb and silent, we may be led like sheep to the slaughter. Uh, John Adams, the liberty of the press is essential to the security of the state. Absolutely. So why doesn't our press pursue basic questions about those in power? Like, Mr. Biden, Mr. President, you told 100 million people that the laptop was Russia disinformation. We all know that the laptop has been authenticated. Do you care to comment, sir? You realize he has not been asked that question. And there have been opportunities, whether you're shouting at it while he's going to the helicopter or more recently, formal sit down interviews. He's feeling pretty bold and very comfortable because he knows he's not going to be challenged by any of these fake news phonies. I'm sorry, especially that guy. He should be in Hollywood uh, posing or whatever. This guy, he didn't ask the question. But listen to how he talks about himself and how important he is. We're supposed to give people a voice all across this country. We're supposed to ask the questions that they demand. We ask every single night and every morning and all day long in this world of 24-7. We are the fourth estate, the important check on power that keeps this brilliant democracy going. To, seems to be more concerned about his tan or sounding a certain way than asking the questions because he sat down with Joe Biden for a unbelievable softball interview and won't anybody ask him about the laptop for crying out loud. And more recently, uh, Judy Woodruff of what do they call that again? PBS sits down with the president. A big, long chit chat, not a word about the laptop. And Judy also takes herself and her journalist community very seriously. We are journalists. We got into this work because we believe people have a right to know, and we want to be part of making sure they do. Bear down. Hold those in power accountable. Don't be cowed. Be fair and be tough. 
Wow, absolutely, except when it's a Democrat, <laughs> except when it's Joe Biden. And you're sitting there with a golden opportunity to ask a question nobody has asked him about, the laptop. He lied about the laptop. Wouldn't it be fun to watch him squirm? What's wrong with these people? Joe Biden has not been asked about the laptop. And I'd like to say it's just uh, the liberal media, but it's not. So-called conservative media, they've had a role in all of this because so many of them, they just love the the game of, of, of television and, and politics and, and being in the mix. There's a, a person who has an afternoon show over there at Fox News Channel, Martha somebody. Um, all right, she was really irate about the COVID information we got today that it came from the Wuhan lab. And I thought she made a great point, actually. Um, you know, I don't expect a lot of apologies, Governor Huckabee, uh, to these scientists and to people like Dr. Redfield, who said a long time ago on this program and a few others that it was clear to him that when you looked at the virus closely, that it was man-made. And this is, this is important because we need to understand what happened to the country and what happened to the world. Absolutely, we do. And five minutes later, the White House spokesman, for national security affairs appears on the 3 p.m. show right there. And she gets to talk to him. What happened? John Kirby, National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic, uh, Strategic, Strategic, she said, Communications. John, thank you very much. Good to have you here today. Thanks, Thanks for Thanks, Martha. Us. Good to be with you. So oh, isn't that cozy? Everybody's getting along so nice. And they stick to the agreed subject, Ukraine. Nothing but Ukraine. We just found out that the government has confirmed the COVID vaccine. The COVID, it came from the Wuhan lab. <laughs> we can only talk about Ukraine? Yeah. And you better, uh, you better play the game and be real polite and real appreciative if you want access to power. Watch what happens at the end of this phoniness. And we don't want to we don't want to see them uh, move in that direction. OK, uh, John Kirby, thank you very much. Always good My to pleasure. have you with us, sir. Thanks, good to Martha. see you. Thank you. Yes, I haven't been that courteous since I was in the military. Sir, yes, sir. Thank you very much for being here. Oh, anything else we can do for you? What? This? <laughs> That's Fox News, everybody. Sometimes I think I'm hallucinating. I really do. Uh, oh, one other thing. Joe, I missed this when he was sitting down with uh, Pretty Boy over at ABC News told us that he talked to President Xi about what was going on. When did he talk to him, though? China's President Xi is coming to Russia, uh, likely as early as this spring. I know the State Department and the Pentagon now have both warned China not to offer lethal military assistance to Russia. Would that cross the line for you? Look, it's not in China's... I had a very frank conversation with President Xi this past summer on this issue. Last summer, there's a lot going on right now. The China peace uh, proposal, the, the, the weapons from China to Ukraine potentially. Last summer, that's kind of, that's something else because Joe bragged, I wasn't impressed, but he bragged and he still brags about how tight he is with uh, President Xi. All that buddy-buddy stuff, they, all those road trips they went on. I've spent more time with Xi Jinping in China than any world leader has. When I was vice president all the way through to now, over 78 hours with him alone, eight, nine of those hours on the phone and the others in person, traveling 17,000 miles with him.
around the world. I spent more time with Xi Jinping than anybody, any other head of state. And I'd always be, when I traveled them 17,000 miles, spent 78 hours with them, they tell me. I spent time, more time with Xi Jinping than any world leader has. Over 76 hours, we traveled 17,000 miles in China and the United States together. The balloon, you didn't call him up on the phone? This relationship that Joe has seems to work for Joe, Hunter, maybe his brothers, but not for the country, no way. And now we know, all right, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that damn virus came from the lab in Wuhan, all right? We know it. There it is. It's incontrovertible at this point. Oh, well, wait a second, Greg. There was another assessment that said it's a moderate confidence. Connect the dots. We know. And you know who was straight with us every step of the way? It was China's fault. And China is going to pay a big price what they've done to this country. China is going to pay a big price what they've done to the world. This was China's fault. And just remember that. We'll remember that. We'll also remember your candor and your respect for all of us, for this country. Thank you. We'll be right back. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. But I'm, by the way, you know, I'm not, I, I, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> Who's he speaking to? What the hell kind of comment is that? I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. This is, uh, this self-deprecating racism is still racism. And it's so beneath a president. It's so beneath the guy, the man, the woman on the street. Who is this person? Where did he come from? It's crazy. It's also crazy what's happening in America. Anti-Semitism is on the rise. I do believe it's being encouraged by the far left. They're trying to say that this is MAGA. This has nothing, nothing to do with MAGA. But I was shocked at how ugly and how out in the open this is. This happened in Florida a few days ago. These, uh, excuse me, these bastards and their horrible rhetoric. I think we have to watch it, though, to understand that it's, it's actually happening. This is real. It's so vile and so disgusting, um, but I do believe we should not ignore it. This happened in South Florida. There happen to be a lot of Jews in South Florida. I know that anti-Semitism has been countenanced by huge swaths of our culture, especially, especially the mainstream media. They've overlooked the subtle anti-Semitism and sometimes not so subtle from the squad. Absolutely. 
uh, all that's forgiven or perhaps encouraged because of the, what, the liberal girl power? I don't know. And you notice our media, they don't seem to be particularly cared about the persecution of women in Iran. No, not at all. It's happening. And this is, uh, why not? Why not? Is it because Iran is committed to the death of Israel? Is that why they get such a pass? Or maybe they, the hard anti-Semites agree with this kind of uh, thing that's happening over there. I don't know what's happening. It's disgusting and we have to be very, very vigilant and do what we can. This can't, can't be repeated. Just like uh, defeats overseas, American defeats overseas shouldn't be repeated. But if we forget, if we overlook it, like Afghanistan, everyone has let the administration off the hook. Hell, they were never on the hook. Jake Sullivan is still the national security advisor. He presided over that fiasco. He actually gets to show up on television and talk about China, Ukraine, and never have to account for his criminal incompetence over the Afghan withdrawal. It's incredible. And now he's juggling which tanks to send or not send to Ukraine. Should it be the M1 tank from America or the Leopard tank from Georgia? All I know is this guy doesn't know anything about tanks. The president originally decided against sending U.S. tanks. They're called uh, Abrams uh, tanks. Abrams tanks. M1A1 Abrams tanks. M1 Abrams tank sounds like it's a UFO. This guy has no real feel for what he's uh, involved in. Uh, and then there's this bizarre explanation about where we are right now. He originally decided against sending them because his military told them that they would not be useful on the battlefield in this fight. What would be useful would be German tanks, a tank called the Leopard, which many different European countries have. But the Germans told the president that they would not be prepared to send those Leopards into the fight. And those Leopards are arriving now, Martha, until the president also agreed to send Abrams. So in the interests of alliance unity and to ensure that Ukraine got what it wanted, despite the fact that the Abrams aren't the tool they need, the president said, okay, I'm going to be the leader of the free world. I will send Abrams down the road if you send leopards now. Those leopards are getting sent now. And this is actually an example of Joe Biden rallying the global coalition to get Ukraine what it needs. Or getting totally played and owned. I'll be right back. the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. Hey guys, it's Carson. Are you looking to protect your money from Biden's America? Yeah, me too. Well, right now you can get up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last just by taking action in today's uncertain times. That's exactly why I partnered with a great company, Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. Gold Co. is a six-time, 5,000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year with thousands of five-star reviews and have helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. 
They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last if you call them today. Qualified callers get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. Don't pass this up. Not while companies are laying off workers by tens of thousands and Chinese spy balloons are drifting over our country consequence-free. Protect yourself from Biden's America and see if you're eligible for up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. Here's the number, 855-735-3740. That's 855-735-3740 for Gold Co. All right, Donald Trump, you know he's running for president and he's talking substance and how to get things done and not to get beaten by China. Take notes, Joe Biden. And as a matter of both economic and national security, I will implement a bold series of reforms to completely eliminate dependence on China in all critical areas. We will revoke China's most favored nation trade status and adopt a four-year plan to phase out all Chinese imports of essential goods, everything from electronics to steel to pharmaceuticals. This will include strong protections to ensure China cannot circumvent restrictions by passing goods through conduit countries, countries that don't make a product, but all of a sudden they're selling a lot of product. It comes right through China, right out of China, and right into our country. Amazing stuff. You can see it on Rumble, I believe, and his other platforms. He's talking policy and substance in a very serious way. Uh, he's the only one, it looks like to me. Uh, oh, that and Vivek, our, our new friend. All right, folks, you know what happened to Newsmax, right? Deplatformed by DirecTV, and it's terrible. You can help us fight this thing. These numbers, call, let AT&T know how you feel. Go to IWantNewsmax.com. Uh, we're really pleased that Senator Ted Cruz uh, came to Newsmax. He was on the Chris Salcedo show, and um, he's not standing for censorship either. My objective is for Newsmax to be back on DirecTV. Millions of Texans enjoy watching Newsmax. I enjoy watching Newsmax, and I think viewers ought to have a choice. And, and, and we've seen too many, too many players in corporate America give in to censorship, give in to the left, saying silence voices we don't like. Look, if, if big business doesn't agree with Newsmax, fine. Argue that you guys are wrong, but don't try to deprive viewers of, of, of the right to be able to, to, to see intelligent commentary and news coverage. Thank you, Senator Cruz. And he followed up on Twitter. My objective is for Newsmax to get back on DirecTV. Too many players in corporate America have given into censorship. Also, as ranking member of the Senate Commerce Committee, I am demanding answers from DirecTV and AT&T on why Newsmax was censored and taken off the airwaves. Thank you, Senator Cruz. Thank you to your colleagues. And thank you to everybody who watches. And please give them a call. Let them know how you feel or go to IWantNewsmax.com. Thanks very much. And I'll be right back. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. All right, that is Vivek Ramaswamy, brand new candidate for president of the United States. He's going for the Republican nomination in 2024. Native of Ohio, he's just 37 years old, but very accomplished, uh, very successful entrepreneur. Uh, let's see, he's set to have $500 million uh, in the bank and a graduate of Harvard College and Yale Law School. 
He made it official on another cable channel. That's okay. Let's take a look at what he said recently on Tucker Carlson's show. We have celebrated our diversity and our differences for so long that we forgot all of the ways we're really just the same as Americans bound by a common set of ideals that set this nation into motion 250 years ago. And that's why I'm proud to say tonight that I am running for United States president to revive those ideals in this country. All right. Big, bold move. Vivek Ramaswamy, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Good to see you. How you doing, Greg? Terrific. Hey, listen, we don't know too much about you. Let's spend a little bit of time. I mean, you've got a long campaign trail. You're a brilliant critic of uh, woke culture. We'll get to that. But tell us a little bit about yourself. You grew up in Ohio, brothers, sisters. Tell us a little bit of your story, please. Yeah, absolutely. Grew up in, born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. I was, went to the East Coast for college and law school. I ended up starting a biotech company in New York called Royvent. Built that as CEO for seven years. Worked on a number of drugs. Five of them are FDA-approved medicines today. One of them is actually a drug for prostate cancer. But I stepped down from my job as a CEO to focus on this different kind of cancer, this cultural cancer that threatened to kill the American dream that allowed me to achieve everything I ever had in my life. And that was this new secular religion that said your identity is based on your race and your gender and your sexual orientation. That's different from everything my parents taught me, who came to this country legally through the front door, followed the rules, actually raised two kids. My brother and I both actually went on to found companies that helped thousands of Americans. And I think that while immigrants like that bring a lot of value into the country, I think one of the things we've forgotten in this country already is the values that made America great. And so that's a big part of why I'm running for president. But I'm also doing it from a from a position of, I would say, personal strength with a family. I'm married with two children here at home in Columbus, Ohio, where we live today. I've had the chance to live that full arc of the American dream. I feel like this is my version of asking how I can make the maximal contribution to the country that allowed me to live the life that I have. I genuinely feel grateful to this nation. And as I look in the mirror and ask myself, what can I do? I wanna deliver an answer to the question of what it means to be an American today. Something that most yeah. people my age, I'm 37 years old, I was born in 1985. Most people my age can't even answer. And the last thing I'll say about this, Greg, is if I had been born 20 years later, I worry that my story, my dream would have been impossible. And I'm running for president to revive that dream. Uh, Vivek, tell us a little bit about the drugs that uh, you produce. You, I think you said five of them, one FDA approved. Uh, have we heard of them? Uh, what are their names and uh, you know, what do they do? Yeah, so we worked on a number of development stage medicines, five of them, some succeeded, others failed. The five that are FDA approved medicines that I oversaw span a wide range of disease areas. One's an approved drug for psoriasis. Another one, as I mentioned, for prostate cancer one for women's health and endometriosis and uterine fibroids. One of the more notable drugs that I had a chance to advance in development in my tenure at Royvent was actually a rare genetic disease in children, a therapy for that, where 100% of those kids died by the age of two or three. And the drug that we developed allows them to live a life of, of hopefully normal duration. And so those are FDA-approved products today. I'm incredibly proud of that. Uh, we sold off a batch of those products to another uh, another pharmaceutical company that markets them today. Royvin, the company I founded, markets the drug for psoriasis. But I have to say that while there are many people who can effectively develop drugs, many people in that elite world of tech and biotech that I was in were really afraid to say in public what they really thought in private when it came to some of these cultural issues. And that's a big part of why I 
stepped aside from my job as a biotech CEO and, and embarked on the journey I've been on for the last couple of years. One of the reasons why you're being taken rather seriously is uh, your academic credentials and your wealth. But we got to kind of take your word for it regarding your wealth, I guess. I mean, I'm hearing $500 million from your staff. Is that accurate? Are you worth a half billion dollars? Is that, and I'm, forgive me for doing this. I mean, look, yeah. you're running for president. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I, go I ahead. Well, like if you don't mind, I, 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 I want to know how much you're worth. And also, will you self-fund? You mentioned last time. I mean, it takes probably a billion dollars or more to run for president successfully. You're not going to be able to self-fund all the way if you go all the way. That's right. And so first of all, I am in this race to go all the way. You don't run for president to do it lightly. There's plenty of other ways to have an impact. If you're going to do this, and my wife and I both looked ourselves in the mirror to make sure we're ready for this, we're going the distance. We want to take this all the way through the White House. Now, that being said, I have lived the full arc of the American dream, as I said, and I, and I won't apologize for it. Yes, I think those estimates are correct, and actually you can look it up publicly. Uh, but I don't like bragging about that. And I also don't think it's the highlight of my campaign and why it should get attention, because I think the thing that distinguishes this campaign, Greg, is that, and I think you know this, I've written three books in the last 18 months. Two of them are published. One of them was the most influential text in influencing the, the conservative movement's path on fighting woke capitalism. I'm proud to see the governors and other policymakers who have since become the foot soldiers in this battle. But that's a big part of why I'm doing this. Not because I've made a lot of money, not because I know how to run a business. Yes, those things are true, but everyone has their accomplishments. I'm not even running on my biography. I'm running on a vision that I have for this country, and it's not somebody else's vision. It's a vision that I've personally developed, and I think it is the most potent tool to fight this woke cancer in America by offering a vision of American national identity that runs so deep that it dilutes these secular religions to irrelevance. And people have heard me travel the country. I've been to over half the states in the last couple of years who have heard me on television, even Newsmax and other programs will know that actually, while yes, I do have money to fund this campaign and to get this started in a meaningful way, that's not the most distinctive thing about this campaign. It right. is the vision and the specificity of the policy proposals that I bring to this, to this campaign. Hey, I got to call time out, Vivek. We got a commercial break, but do me a favor. We got extra time. Stay with us, all right? We'll be back in uh, very quickly and more with uh, Mr. Ramaswamy. We're back with Vivek Ramaswamy. He's running for president as a Republican for the 2024 nomination. Welcome back. All right, a couple more quick things and then uh, big picture stuff, Vivek. How do we know you're not the next Pete Buttigieg? Now, there are some comparisons, right? You know, you both have the intellectual acumen. He made a big splash running for president, and now he's a cabinet secretary. I mean, I'm wondering, some are wondering if that's your game plan. Were you at all inspired by him and what happened to him? Because I could kind of see some comparisons. I've actually been demotivated by what's happened to him because it's so disappointing to watch. Somebody who is young, who has had a great education, who actually is reasonably well-spoken, go on to be as incompetent as he's been in that role. I think it's disappointing when you think about, even if you're a Democrat, you want generational change. Somebody who takes over as transportation secretary and screws up everything from airplanes to trains to, I hope, God forbid, something else next. I think that's actually been a big disappointment. So I don't see that as an analogy. I look, I think people should appropriately be skeptical of any new person who comes onto the scene. But the people who have been following me most closely, I'd encourage you to follow the message, exactly what I've said. And I think that we live in a complicated moment where the threats to liberty are not just about big government. It's about a hybrid of big government and big business that together are more powerful than either one alone. And China then getting in on that game too. 
I have been, I believe, the leading voice in America in pointing out how that works with specificity so we can solve that problem. And the other thing is I've actually not just been a commentator, I've actually done something about it. I founded a company called Strive to compete directly with the likes of BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard to set corporate America straight, to tell them unambiguously using shareholder power to knock it off with the politics and go back to focusing on making products and services for profit. So I encourage everyone to judge me both on the content of the vision I've put out in the countless editorials, essays, books that I've written over the last several years, but also what I've done as a man of action through the market to solve that problem too. And I think that this race ought to be in the first year, not even about the who. It should be about the what and the why. What do we stand for as a conservative movement? What do we stand for as a Republican party? What do we stand for as Americans? And I expect to lead the way in defining that agenda. Uh, I believe I already have with some of the policy proposals I've put up, and I'm gonna continue to do that in the year ahead. Nikki Haley, as you know, she's a competitor of yours. She's running right now. I wanna show you, and I, I don't know if you've seen this, but this is her intro video. And this is the very first thing she said when she announced that she was running for president. The railroad tracks divided the town by race. I was the proud daughter of Indian immigrants. Not black, not white. I was different. But my mom would always say, your job is not to focus on the differences, but the similarities. All right. And my parents reminded me- It was the first part there, not black, not white, uh, different. Quite frankly, I don't know if that was really uttered in the house. Who knows, maybe it was. Look, you're not woke, I'm not woke. I was kind of turned off by how it was all about, the very first thing she said, it was about you know skin color. But I want to ask you, your ethnicity, do you think it gives you a special avenue, a special lane? In this race, you know, you got to have a story to tell and everyone's looking for a lane. Everyone's looking for a niche. Does it give you, you, you any kind of advantage? Let me be really clear. I could care less what your race is, what your gender is, what your skin color is. You should be judged on the content of your ideas, your contributions and what you do. I want to be judged on my vision. My vision is my lane. If you want to have some fun with it, Greg, you, you put up that intro video from Nikki Haley. Put one of my intro video on later in your show and people can judge side by side where one is about the vision and actually the content of the ideas and policy proposals. Whether or not you agree with me, at least you'll know what I think. Well, Vivek, I, I don't know. We're not. We, all right, all right. Vivek, we have you on for two segments. We may or may not get to the video. OK, so. That's all right. All right. One other <laughs> but thing. What I would say is I did. Throw the identity politics out the door. That's my point. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, let's just be done with this identity politics. It's actually part of one of my top campaign promises is to eliminate affirmative action in America, which the president can do. Republican presidents haven't done it yet. That's a political hill I'm willing to die on if that's what it comes to. And we need people with that kind of courage actually taking the White House. That's why I'm running. Did you think about running for governor or senator? I mean, you know, life is long. You're 37 years old. You got a lot of money in the bank and amazing, amazing talent. These books, your business success. Uh, what's the rush? So it's a good question. I did think of running for Senate a couple of years ago for the last seat in Ohio. I actually decided not to. For me, being one of 100 was not the right way to actually drive cultural change in this country. That's why I ended up writing the book, starting the new business that I did with Strive and otherwise. But if this was about me and my political career, you're right. That would absolutely make the most sense. But it's not. I don't even aspire to be a politician, actually. For me, actually, it strikes me as somewhat unpleasant to be a politician, to be honest with you. But the reason I'm running right now is I think we live in this moment today when our country is in this national identity crisis, where most people my age, really any age, cannot answer that basic question 
of what it means to be American. I have a vision of what it means to be a citizen of this nation. And I also think we're working within a short window to seize our opportunity to declare independence from China, something I've repeatedly called for. And I have a clear vision of how to do it, but I worry we're running out of time. So I'm running in part because I think my vision and my, my mission and my policy agenda is the right one for this moment. When I didn't see somebody else stepping up to that challenge, I said, you know what, this isn't about my political career. If you're actually gonna have an impact and shape the country and revive the country for the better, this was my number one way to do it. And I'm, I intend to do it all the way through the White House because you're only gonna have that impact, not just by running and spreading your ideas, but by actually delivering on them, which is what I pledge to do. And I'm looking, I'm staring at the board behind you and it says uh, Vivek, but I do wanna ask you, some people say Vivek, some people say Vivek. Uh, what is it? Thank you for asking. It's Vivek like cake. Uh, that's the easiest way to remember it. Vivek Ramaswamy, to be continued, sir. Uh, many thanks and go to, uh, let's see here, Vivek, Vivek2024.com, Vivek. 2024.com. Vivek, I was saying it right the first time. Thank you very much. Thank okay, you. to be continued, we'll be right back. Wherever books are sold, Justice for All by me, Greg Kelly. How the left is wrong about law enforcement. Many thanks for your consideration to buy what I think is an important book that's going to help this country. And I'll see you tomorrow night.